0: It's, it's true, like if you think about it It's the same, like I know it's not coming out of the same
1: hole But it's the same <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for that biology lesson 101 sharp. Really appreciate that, tip You're welcome <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to season 2 of Wing It You're going to be joining myself, Yvonne and my best mate Aisha on for another journey of highs and lows of our 20s now we are definitely midway through we're on the road to 30 now so be ready for some different topics different guests and yeah taking you into 2021 with some new fresh content and can't wait for you to join us along for the ride keep winging it whoop Aisha, are you sure you're ready for this episode? I don't know. I'm trying to be. <laughs> you're trying to be. I mean, I've been really, really excited for this episode for a really long time. I essentially just want to download your brain before like, baby brain like, completely mushes you up. So if anybody listening hadn't already gathered... I know we took a a really long break from recording. Uh, As you could tell from my recent story, me and Aisha were really ill for quite a long period of time, but now we are back in the flow of things. Like we promised, we're gonna be having four episodes leading up to Christmas, taking you into 2022. And we wanted to make sure that we get as much information from Aisha's brain as possible as she is expecting a beautiful baby boy in January and like I said I've been so excited to ask you so many questions I am gonna be this is like Idiot's Guide to Having a Baby and I am the idiot I am gonna be the ears and mouth of everybody listening today You're already laughing at me. I'm being super serious, no, I Aisha. completely
0: agree with you. I had no idea what was going on until I became pregnant, so...
1: Exactly. Anybody who is listening that is wanting to put a bun in the oven, pop their... whatever the phrase is these days, pop a... pop, just pop. I think I was it's wondering just wondering where you were going with that. Whoever is wanting to pop some children in the next few years, anything... That is going to help you guys get ready to have a child. As you can imagine, having children is not on the Great British agenda when it comes to the school curriculum. It's not something we particularly learn about in depth. We barely learn how to conceive a child, let alone how to raise one. Okay. And I just wanted to, first of all, say thank you to you, Aisha, for agreeing to do this episode. I know. There has been a whirlwind of things going on with your body. You've been pushed and pulled and prodded and poked for the last eight months. It hasn't been easy. I don't know if anybody has a naturally easy pregnancy, but I just want you to give our homies at Wing It a heads up for anybody who wants to have children in the near future or in the distant future. So first of all, thank you for agreeing to do it. And second of all, do you want to give us an update on where you are? Because maybe podcast episodes haven't added up in terms of timelines. I've tried to be clever with the editing to make sure everything kind of adds up. But do you want to give everybody a picture of where you are at the moment?
0: Yeah, of course. Also, just before that, when you said um, we barely learn how to create a baby in school, I was was actually thinking we learn more about how to not create babies school through you know PSHE lessons (laughs) PSHE the backbone
1: of British curriculum what does it even stand for oh great it was the greatest no legit what does it even stand for personal social
0: health education I just completely made that up brilliant
1: that's what it's going to be called from now on we've put our stamp on it
0: we're going with that we're going with that so yeah, just to give everyone an update, today is the 2nd of December, Thursday, 2nd of December, that is when we... Don't were... say
1: the date, because then I'm going to have to edit it out when we don't release for another four months. No, it's like...
0: fine. It's just so that people know the timeline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, it
0: just for birth purposes, not podcast purposes, today is the 2nd of December, and yesterday, I was exactly 34 weeks. Where the hell has it gone? Literally, like it just seemed like yesterday I was peeing on a stick and now literally, even when I stand up, like I just bump into things without meaning to bump into things because I just forget how huge my stomach is.
1: Honestly, I've never seen anybody but a penguin waddle, but now I've seen Aisha eight months pregnant and there are, there are a lot of waddling motions happening. A lot of waddling. It's also a lot of backache.
0: You know because of the waddling it's really fun to look like a penguin at Christmas but anyway yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty much 34 weeks now and my due date I can't actually remember if I said this to on the previous episode but my due date is actually the 12th of January so that's literally what five and a half six no six weeks left And for anyone, so I didn't, I didn't know this. I actually didn't know how many weeks, like a normal pregnancy was, but it can be, you can literally go into labor anytime between like from 37 weeks onwards. So when people say full-time labor is 39 weeks, there's no, there's no real scientific stamp on when you should have a baby. Uh, Due dates are a myth as well, by the way, that's purely just for the hospital to guess Roundabouts when you're going to be coming in. It's more to help them than to help you. So ignore due dates.
1: Which brings me to, I guess, the very beginning, Aisha. Okay. Go for it. Let's, let's do it logically, okay? Let's start at the beginning. When you found out that you were pregnant, like you said, it is a little bit of guesswork mm. because at the beginning, you didn't even realise. So you actually realised, I don't know how normal it is to realise that late in, but how many weeks were you... Tell us all how you realized and leading up to it.
0: To be honest, it's a really good question. This is the thing, like, okay, so my, so when, obviously, when you do get pregnant, the first trimester is, like, where the most changes are happening in terms of, like, hormones because your body's going from, like, not being pregnant to pregnant, so your muscles, just like my chest, um, my tiredness, it was all a little bit weird. And um, I was feeling a little bit off anyway. And I was getting like quite bad cramps, which I thought, okay, I'm just going to start my period. And this has actually happened to someone else I know when, so we both thought we were just meant to start period, but, and I'm, I'm not regular anyway. So I was a few days late. I didn't think anything of it, but then it just wasn't you know when you know when you're about to start your period so for all the women out there or for all the men who should actually also know this um when you're about to start your period you can feel it coming of course like, you can just feel it but it's there's nothing there it's something
1: like brewing yeah
0: yeah you can feel it brewing but i like it was like a week and a half and i was like what is going on and when i took the t- so i <laughs> i just had some spare tests just <laughs>
1: <laughs> just in case, <laughs>
0: in, my, in my bedroom, you know, drawer, draw right at the back, just in case. And I was like, okay, it's not going to be positive, but this is a bit weird now. So, um, something, something in my gut is telling me to just take one. Also, another thing, always listen to your gut. Your gut is right. So when I took it, it came out with a very, very faint. So depending on which pregnancy test you get, there's quite a few different brands clear blue you've probably heard of is one of the more expensive ones but i would recommend getting that one anyway because you can get a digital one it tells you how many weeks you are i just had one of the cheap ones where you just kind of like a bit like a lateral flow test to be honest for covid you have the line that comes up yeah so there's an area on the stick where you uh you pee on it and then when you're pregnant there's a special chemical that is that it that um is in your urine that started been created in your body basically and that chemical is what comes up on the pregnancy test now my line so i don't know if it's because i didn't pee on it or can you pee i don't really know how you can pee on a t- pee on a stick. wrong <laughs> to, to quote to quote Phoebe monica and i was going to
1: say this is just <laughs> having friends flashbacks
0: <laughs> but my line was really really faint so i was like okay that could be positive but that also could be Negative, because it would be a false positive. So to cut a long story short, I basically did the test about five times just to make 100% sure. And the last test I did was a digital clear blue one. I got to spend about 50 quid on pregnancy tests, I swear to God. And that was the one that said three plus weeks. So actually, I reckon I was probably about five weeks pregnant by the time I'd already taken this test. Now, the crazy thing is you don't get seen by the hospital until you are 12 weeks pregnant.
1: That is the part that shocked me the most. Like, obviously, as Aisha is my best friend, I just kept... Obviously, we we were both... And I know you're the one with the baby, Aisha, but I definitely went through this with you. And we, we always joked about this, like, with all of my friends. When do you start going, congratulations, instead of going, oh, crap whenever somebody obviously gets a positive result. So we went through the motions together. I was grateful that Aisha told me quite early on. And um, when she told me that she wasn't gonna be seen, I was like, are you, are you sure Aish?" Like there's a, there's a human inside of you. Are you sure you don't have to see a professional? And 12 weeks seems like a really long time.
0: 12 weeks is pretty much the first trimester, which is the riskiest trimester. And the way that, so obviously it depends on which, like, like county and things you're in. Um, you can go see a GP and they can confirm it for you, blah, blah, blah. But my, uh, in Hampshire, so the way the Portsmouth Hospitals work is a self-referral. So I didn't even speak to a GP. I was just self-referring myself to the maternity clinic. And they didn't give me a call until I was about 10, 11 weeks to book me That's in. wild, honestly. Yeah. And then you have your scan at 12 weeks. So yeah, 10, 11 weeks is when they call you. They have... Bit of a chat over the phone. But up until that point, all of my information was coming from one of my really, really good friends who had just had a baby. I say just had a baby, had a baby last year. And Google. Can't believe it. <laughs> that is where my information was coming from. I was the second of all of my friends to to get pregnant. So I was literally, and luckily, my good friend who did get pregnant, she's also a nurse. So actually, it really helped medical like, medical-wise, that she knew what she was talking about. But I just felt very, very anxious. And not only anxious because I was pregnant and it was unplanned, but because I hadn't spoken to a professional who could, you know, check if my sugars were okay, check my, you know, my heart rate, beat, whatever, blood pressure, that's it. blood pressure was okay. Just these little, little things, you know?
1: Can I ask, Did you? Ev- did your GP even see you?
0: No. What?! my brand my gp and they said you just need to fill out a self referral form so so if you do get a, 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 i actually i was so anxious i called 111 because i didn't know what to do this was the day after i was i was on my own yeah uh, my husband was at work i was on my own i had told i think by this point i had told so so when when you have your 12 week scan so your first scan is at 12 weeks that is when the majority of people tell everyone that they they are pregnant just because the 12-week scan will confirm it and also just confirm everything's okay because you don't you don't really want to tell everyone if it's not if it's an if it's if there's something negative going on that you need to need to sort medically but obviously I told my close friends and my close family as soon as I found out but Because I was so anxious and I didn't know who to talk to, I was on my own. My family and friends don't live anywhere near me, and I called one 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 just to speak to a professional. And the person who answered the call, she didn't even know it. She she was just talking to me out of her pure experience of being a mother of three. She wasn't even talking to me as a medical professional. And the thing is, with my mum and my aunties. Like all of my cousins are like 10 years plus. I mean, they had their kids ages ago. So a lot of things have changed. COVID has changed a lot of things as well. So it was a really, really anxious, like few months,
1: to be honest. And also, let's not forget, we, we were obviously recording the pod. We announced when we got our COVID vaccines and stuff. At that yep. point, you had literally just had your second COVID jab as well, right? Like you said, it's another yes. layer of worry.
0: Yes, exactly. The week before I found out I was pregnant, I had had my COVID jab. And that's also why I thought I was feeling a little bit off because I just had my jab. But the really worrying thing was I had the AstraZeneca, which has obviously got the history of blood clotting. So that's one thing that I I really wanted to find out from the midwife. So again, annoyingly, I wasn't able to speak to anyone until I was 11 weeks. And because of that, me and Rahan just decided to do, so you can do private, private scans. So we went to a private scan clinic, we paid a little bit of money, but I thought I would rather do this and just confirm everything's okay.
1: Makes sense. Especially as a first time mother, it's just like, you have no idea what's going on.
0: No idea. And you have no idea what's going on with your body. My mood swings were all over the place. My morning sickness was awful. I couldn't eat anything I wanted to.
1: That's something I wanted to ask, actually, like, were there any, apart from you feeling something around your gut, you said, obviously... You were like, gaining weight in certain places that you didn't anticipate before, but were there any symptoms? So morning sickness, was there anything else that was kind of like a telltale sign that stereotypically women speak about?
0: Um, so my, my boobs really hurt, but again,
1: I thought that was just because of
0: my period.
1: That happens on a regular basis, you know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Like you know, Your body gets sensitive anyway mm. around that time, and I was due that week, so that's why I didn't think anything of it. And it was actually funny because the week before that was Eid. And the whole month I had been fasting. So I had actually been fasting when pregnant, which I shouldn't have been doing. But of course, I didn't know that. God. Yeah. So I've just starved my poor baby for five weeks. (laughs) Bless him. So, yeah, it was really, really, it was really worrying. And... That's why we went to the private scan. And the these private scan clinics, you can get them all over the country. And they are also the clinics that do like, you know, the 4D scans. Yes. So you only, you only actually get two scans on the NHS. And then if you want to do more, you can get them done privately. So we had our private scan done at, I think it was eight weeks. And um, he I could see his heartbeat already. Um, I could not hear it. It was just, it was, yeah, it was just a... Yeah, it was it was just a scan. So I could see his heartbeat and I could see him. Like I could see he was tiny. It was probably about the size of a little bean or something.
1: He was like a little blob, wasn't he?
0: He was a tiny little blob, but that confirmed for me that he was there and that his heartbeat was strong. And to be honest, that's all, that's all I wanted to know at that oh. point. Because waiting until 12 weeks, I mean, it's the riskiest trimester. That's where the majority of the miscarriages do happen. So... They only say to call the hospital if you are bleeding heavily. Apart from that, carry on as if everything is normal. Right. But I'm sorry, what is normal at that stage if you're a first-time mum? Of course.
1: And, like, you don't have to reveal how much, Aish, but, like, in, in terms, just to give the listeners an idea, was the scan expensive, the private scan, or was it reasonable?
0: No, it was about, um, I can tell you, it was, um, I can't remember exactly. I think it was about £50. Pounds.
1: Okay, so, yeah, reasonable. Okay. 50 yeah. 60 if yeah. So, if so you, peace if of you... mind.
0: Yeah, if you want peace of mind, if you can afford it, I mean, if you're happy to wait 12 weeks, I mean, lots of people do, and they're happy to do that. But I, because I'm, an, I'm a little bit of an anxious person anyway. Just for my peace of mind, just because this wasn't something that we were anticipating, we weren't sure. I wasn't sure how reliable these pregnancy tests were, even though I know now that they're very reliable. I just, I just wanted to see that he was there, basically.
1: But also, like you said, because it was unplanned, it's kind of like it's with anything, even with a COVID test. I'm like, oh, wait, are you sure? Are we sure it's negative? Like just to give you an example, when me and Aisha were ill, Aisha, I know you said you don't mind sharing this. You actually got COVID. So I know you can speak about being pregnant while well, COVID as well. We'll get to that. But um, mm-hmm. because I was with Aisha that weekend, you saw we had such a beautiful uh, night away together. Me and Aisha were both just as shocked that I spent the night with Aisha and I didn't get COVID. So that's why I kept checking, going, Am I definitely negative? I waited like four days to make sure I wasn't infecting anybody just in case it took time for the symptoms to come out. I took PCR and four lateral flows, all negative, but I was still severely, I say severely, it was definitely not as ill as you, but I still had a strange virus. I Mm. never had before and it lasted like 10 days not to take away obviously you were very very poorly like thank god you're okay now but I was also quite ill and it took a while to shake off but um I don't know if you wanted to explain how I know you've had both vaccines which I think had protected you from being even more severely ill because they're saying it's um, unvaccinated mothers that are the ones being in uh being put in ICU currently I mean, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that and also just speak about whether you've had, have you had all of your vaccines? Have you also had the flu vaccine?
0: So I had the flu vaccine. So the flu vaccine is something that they encourage you to get, especially if you are pregnant. And the whooping cough vaccine, which is something that can affect newborns. So I had those two on the same day. Um, which in hindsight probably wasn't a good idea because both my arms were in a lot of pain. So I had both of those vaccines. I haven't had my COVID booster as of yet. I have a feeling they're going to wait until after. I mean, they say they, the prime minister said January anyway for majority of adults for boosters anyway. So I have a feeling I won't get that until after baby's out. Um, and yeah, I've had both my COVID jabs. So when my test did come back positive, the biggest thing that I was concerned about was baby, because the thing is with COVID it it attacks the lungs and the lungs are the last thing in a fetus or one of the last things in a fetus to develop. So I didn't want that to impact anything, you know, to do with him. Like I didn't, I, I, I was fine me getting COVID. I was fine at that point. It was just him I was worried about. And the midwives were really good. They called me every single day they said to monitor his movements. And he is a very, very strong <laughs> individual already. <laughs> he can kick, he can dance. So um, I was monitoring him the whole two, two two and a half weeks I was down for, and he was absolutely fine. So I think one, that's one of the biggest things is if you know your baby's movements and your baby's movements change, and you have a bad feeling about the fact that they change, They say, ring the hospital straight away. Like, they would rather you ring and it's nothing than you not ring and it's something.
1: Of course,
0: yeah. That was the biggest thing they told me to keep an eye on with him and just to drink loads of loads of water. The annoying thing is, though, when you are pregnant, you can't have any painkillers except paracetamol. So I was just on paracetamol, which obviously isn't the strongest painkiller in the world. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, you, um, and I had to be really careful about which paracetamol because some of them have caffeine in them, some of them have other things in them. So yeah, I had, it had to be like just just paracetamol, no ibuprofen, nothing, no cough like. Do I have any cough syrups? No, I didn't have any cough syrups.
1: And that's something I feel we take for granted, not being pregnant. Like we just take anything. Obviously, you know, certain things to do with diabetes, you know, I can't mm. take because of a sugar coating or if they're prone to, to cause blood clotting, that's why I'm not on the pill, etc. But it's something we, we take for granted. So I, I didn't even think about all of these other medications and even some foods that you've had to avoid. Right.
0: Yeah. There's so, yeah. Like, um, uh, pineapple is one thing I have to avoid. Uh, some sites say grapes. Some other sites say grapes are absolutely fine. Uh, papaya, because apparently in these fruits there is a chemical that can cause early contractions.
1: Oh, you definitely don't
0: want that. Definitely don't want that, especially when you're, you know, eight to nine months, eight to nine weeks pregnant. And they, and things like um, like unpasteurized milk and like certain types of cheeses and things like raw eggs. You just have to be careful with mayo and things like that. But the thing is, if you're in if you're in a country like England, for example, and you know everything is gone through a certain process, it tends to be fine. I think it's just like say, if you were at a farm and they gave you like a jug of milk, it would probably be like, just be careful, you know where it's come from. So, yeah, things like raw eggs as well. So not taking any smoothies, not eating cake batter and things like that.
1: Yeah. Because that's what you do every week,
0: so. Because that's, that's what I do. That's what, what I actually eat for dinner every day, is yeah. cake batter. Uncooked cake batter is the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you just have to be really careful. But, again, no one told me this. It This was stuff that's just on the NHS website. It was stuff I was Googling. But the thing is, as we all know, the problem with the internet is that there are lots of conflicting arguments when it comes to pregnancy. Of course. And I guess even GPs and midwives say conflict, like I've had conflicting things said to me who are like professionals in their fields when it comes to pregnancy as well. So at the end of the day, listen to what the majority of are saying, like listen to your gut. Don't do anything reckless. Like if you think it's better to avoid it, just avoid it. They say that you can have like one to two mugs of tea or coffee a day. I just avoid caffeine altogether. It's just easier. So yeah, just just do what you think's right.
1: Okay, let me let me rewind. Okay, so this is pre-pregnancy. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, how knowledgeable were you about any of this?
0: I had no idea. I literally had zero knowledge when it when it came to pregnancy. Like the only things I know knew, which I think the majority of women or girls know and see is what you see in movies and tv and now being eight months pregnant i did not realize how much bull is in tv and movies when it comes to birth because obviously it has to be dramatic it has to be it has to be fit for television and movies make a story Yeah. And, you know, I've been looking on a lot of stuff on YouTube and mine and Rohan's phones are both synced to the TV. So he's now getting (laughs) birth videos coming up on his phone. Brilliant. Um, Yeah. And even yesterday he said to me, all of these women are giving birth and it's all really calm. Like they're not screaming. I was like, I know you're not supposed to be screaming when giving birth. It's just the way it's portrayed in Hollywood. So it's really, really... Interesting, and it's something that I actually wanted to mention because I, as as you know, like I, I do suffer from anxiety, and you know, giving birth is a very anxious thing in a lot of people's lives. For many reasons, it could be because of the pain; you're scared of the pain. It could be scared of having the actual baby. It could be any of those things. And um, I recently found a specific technique of birthing called hypnobirthing, which is using science and the natural biology of your body to help you give birth. So the power of the mind, the power of words, and it comes from a form of hypnotherapy. And it's something that every person, both men and women, should be taught because I do not understand how for this long hospitals have been Aiding people to give birth in this way is completely against science. So I'll let you ask me the questions because there's so much information that I've learned. I could just spill it all out, but I don't want to like do an info overload.
1: No, I completely agree that it is gonna be, you know, there's gonna be so many different options. There's so many, like, like you said, there's so many conflicting opinions. There's just, like you said, an overwhelming amount of information out there. So first of all, can I ask, what have been your main sources? So you said you've got Google as a main source of information, the NHS website. And then where did you come across hypnobirthing? How did you get to this conclusion that this is something that you might be interested in, first of all?
0: So I think word of mouth from other women is amazing. Because, you know, it's coming from somewhere reliable. The thing is, though, uh, people who've given birth, they love to tell you about their own birth stories. And sometimes they're not, they're not the most positive thing that you want to be hearing when you're pregnant. So just be, be wary of that. And also just remember that everyone's story and everyone's journey is completely different. Your body is completely different and your label will be completely different. So I actually got told by one of my colleagues who's just had a baby about an Instagram page called The Naked Doula. Who I will tag in the notes. She's absolutely amazing. And she is the first person who I heard about hypnobirthing from. And she is very, very open. She's very, very graphic about the way she talks about things, about the way she describes things, very colorful, very bold. And um, the first thing that caught my attention was uh, one of her first posts I saw when she mentioned how you should never be giving birth on your back. Every single person in a movie or on TV who I've seen giving birth has been on their back. And then she explained the science behind it. And it makes perfect sense that when you're having a baby, your baby's coming down. So Why are you lying up? Why, why are you making gravity work against you, basically?
1: It's kind of like having a shit, right? It's like you, you don't lay on your back and take a shit.
0: You That would be horrible.
1: You, yeah, that it's just so like, odd. mate, I can't even get out on a good day on my, you know, well, my, <laughs> with my knees up to my chest, like, shit, and I'm joking. Um, <laughs> depends what I've eaten for dinner. But um, everybody knows I like a good poo story. But anyway, um, do you know what? The most fantastic part about Aisha being pregnant is Aisha has actually outweighed me on like the poo and gut and graphic stories. And it's made, you know, me and Aisha's worlds have now conjoined. Like we we are now equal in terms of stories to do with our orifices. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> You're going to obviously knock me out of the park. You're going to completely beat me when you actually give birth because that's the ultimate orifice, as we all know. <laughs> but do you want to explain a little bit more sorry I kind of like ruined your train of thought but it is true like you can't get you can't have a shit laying on your back so why would you push upwards
0: it's it's true like if you think about it it's the same like I know it's not coming out of the same hole but it's the same (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that
1: biology lesson 101 Aisha really appreciate that tip you're welcome (laughs) That's basically all
0: I wanted this podcast to be about. Um, but it's using the same muscles. And um, so there's, there's three different stages of labor and the final stage of labor, everyone describes that or the, the, the way you know that you're in the third or final stage of labor is because you will feel so when you really, really need to go to the toilet, that urge to push, that is the urge you will feel when you are birthing a baby. It's the same feeling.
1: So you said there's three stages of labor. Yeah. Come on, idiots guide. So, okay, I'm not an expert
0: on this. So there's, um, so the first, I, I had no idea about this. I also thought that as soon as your water's broke, you go straight into hospital. Some people do that, but you can also labor at home. So the thing is, I'm not sure if some people may know, some people may not. So when your waters break, that's your membranes separating that keeps the sac attached like to your uterus and there's also a mucus plug that comes away that looks like this massive bogey that's like a cork basically at the end of like a wine bottle and that stops infection and keeps the baby safe and then you will dilate so that is your I think I think it's the cervix like gradually opening up. So depending on how many centimeters dilated you are, the, you might get to the hospital and they might actually tell you to go home because you're not enough, you're not dilated enough yet.
1: They say, like, how many fingers if you're three yeah. fingers, you're not ready, if you're 10 fingers, you're ready to go. Exactly, 10 centimeters
0: dilated, 10 fingers is when you're ready to go. Now, when you're in the one centimeter, two centimeter dilated stage, you're nowhere near I mean, it could be hours until you meet your baby so at that moment you're having contractions but your contractions can be like quite a few minutes apart so that's like early labor this is how i think of it in my head i don't know if this is scientifically correct but that's like early early labor
1: so contractions is early labor and you're measuring how many fingers how many centimeters and how many seconds or minutes of well at that point minutes apart your contractions
0: are yeah pretty much yeah Fine. And then middle stage is like when you're like getting to the point now where you're about to give birth, but you're still not at that point yet. So your contractions, I wrote it down actually. So once your contractions, once you have three contractions every 10 minutes and your contractions are lasting between 45 seconds to a minute, that is when you're in what they call, I think, established labour.
1: Okay, rewind. What is even a contraction? Is okay. it your vagina expanding what what is it
0: really good question so your uterus basically i learned this yesterday i bought a course which i'm also going to um link below cuz it was amazing i got it in black friday deal good
1: <laughs> amazing yeah i love how you brought a hypnobirthing course on black friday and i bought a shit ton of condoms so I'm not here in nine months time black friday <laughs> at durex guys just plug in that one wait this
0: is why we're such good friends it's because opposites attract
1: so obviously
0: yeah so there's two there's two muscles in the uterus so there's like a vertical muscle and a horizontal muscle and in the first stages of labor those muscles are moving upwards and sideways and it's basically preparing your body for labor for for birthing and then the second part of it is when you're in so when you're in the third stage of labor that's when the muscles start pushing downwards then there's two different breathing techniques that you do for each one of them to help you get through them so it's basically your uterus expanding and contracting that's what it's doing it's basically it's like a muscle so if you're doing this this is your uterus this is what it's doing
1: the listeners can't see what you're doing Aisha
0: oh yeah I'm flexing (laughs)
1: She's just she's just flexing her muscles at me.
0: This this is my uterus.
1: <laughs> I love it. You're just I'm, flexing I'm, a muscle basically.
0: Basically flexing my bicep. Are you I can't actually see like a single like you can't see anything there. Anyway. <laughs> And, the, and also, I didn't realize that the reason why contractions, and in hypnobirthing, they didn't call them contractions, they call them surges, like a power surge, rather than contraction, because contraction, it gives you, it has a painful connotation to it, whereas yep, a power, agree. yeah, whereas a power surge is like, boom, my body is now, it, it's going.
1: It's like empowering, isn't it? It's like, yep yeah, let's get ready to go.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, to, to be honest, like I said this to you the other day, like... It is so normal not like a woman birthing a human is so normalized. But when you think about what our body is doing, it is incredible. Like we've just created a human being and then just pushed it out of our bodies. Like, I'm sorry. It is insane when you really, really think about it. it's created an organ. Like the I know you said about the placenta the other day. Your placenta is created by your body to keep your baby alive. Bro, like, I'm sorry. That is some incredible science right there.
1: I, I honestly, I, I know you're you're nearly ready to blow, but I, I still can't believe it. Like, even when me and the baby were playing peekaboo on holiday, so every time I used to put my hand or my fingers on Aisha's stomach, he would hide. And then as soon as I took my hand away, he'd start kicking away. So we were playing peekaboo. We were playing hide and seek already. Aunt Yvonne is... Ready to roll.
0: That's good. I mean I'm hiring you for babysitting every other week. So.
1: Of course. <laughs> so you can go and rip that town, head into that. the Portsmouth nightclubs, head into those duo cubicles with two toilets in. So you can have your first mate, I still experience. haven't been
0: to Pop World.
1: Mate, I might be going to Pop World tomorrow, you know. I'll let you know how it goes.
0: Let me know, because um well maybe we'll get Greg and Rahan to watch watch the baby and then we can go clubbing
1: we can hit it
0: okay
1: that's the plan Uh, I'm not sure how good of a decision that would be but
0: uh trial and error right poor baby also I sent Yvonne guys I sent Yvonne a video on when he was kicking really really I don't even know if he was kicking to be honest I think he was just rolling around and literally my stomach was moving like a wave like it was surreal it was it was literally like
1: contortion I swear to god It was wild. Yeah. So
0: a woman's body is incredible. It's literally incredible. So when you have this, we'll call them surges. So when you have these surges, basically in hypnobirthing, what they try and get you to imagine is that your body is literally pulsating power. Because rather than thinking it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. And you know, we create all this adrenaline. When adrenaline is created, all of the blood goes to our arms and our legs because we're obviously in a fight and flight mode. And if the blood is going to our arms and our legs, there's no blood in the the uterus muscles to help it contract, which is why it's so painful for so many people. And if you think about the science behind it, it's actually it makes so much sense because. The hormone that actually, that actually gets you to go into labor is oxytocin. And oxytocin is the happy hormone. Technically, labor and birth should be a good feeling. And if we separated our mind from our bodies, our bodies would just give birth on their own, like with no intervention, no induction needed. Our bodies would just give birth because that is what mammals do. That's what people have been doing since the beginning of time. So it's really, really interesting. So that's why it's so important to stay so calm. And I know it's really, really easy to say that when you're kind of going through this. But if you stay calm, the more oxytocin you create and produce in your body, the more in control of, your, of, your, of that pain you can be, basically.
1: The way you've just described it, Aisha, you've put it so beautifully in terms of if you're in fight or flight mode... Like you said, the adrenaline is pumping. So the the right hormones and the blood and everything doesn't go to the right places. Yeah. That's why pain is caused. But if you were to, obviously, like you said, easier said than done. But if you were to relax the chemical, repeat it again.
0: So it's a chemical called oxytocin.
1: Oxytocin. I yeah. definitely would have said something like penicillin or something <laughs> like that. So oxytocin is produced to help you relax. So the blood is, uh, yeah, it does make sense. The blood is there. The blood flows down yep. to help you contract, yeah, to that's, get
0: Barbara out. That's where the blood needs to go. And oxytocin, that's why they say if you want to induce natural labor to have sex, because oxytocin is the hormone produced when you have an orgasm, because it makes you feel so good So you can actually have an orgasmic birth. I didn't know this. I mean, I'm not really sure how it would work. I don't know anyone who has had an orgasmic birth. Jesus! But because of how much like power is in an orgasm, all of those hormones, they can they can help like move along the labor. I mean, there are people who've been in labor for what an hour and a half, two hours, who have completely cracked hypnobirthing just because of of what they know and how they've forced their mind and their bodies to to communicate. It's um, kind of
1: mind over matter. Yeah, exactly. in this instance. Exactly.
0: Because right. in order to feel good and produce oxytocin, you need to have things around you to make you feel good. So like so basically, um they focus on the five senses. So whatever you want to eat, smell, see, feel, and hear, whatever makes you feel good. Like one of th- this woman who I heard of, she just put on the Harry Potter audiobooks while she was giving birth because they made her feel good. Obviously, Harry Potter, I mean, you know as a given, but like things like fairy lights, chocolates, candles, and you know, she says we wonder why women have such long labours and why they're in so much pain and why they're not dilating, it's because they're on a hospital ward with about 20 doctors looking up their vaginas, these bright lights that are blinding them, imagine having to go for a poo in front of 20 people, obviously you're not going to want to go for one.
1: Stage fright.
0: Yeah, so basically you've got to make your environment romantic, happy, calming, put on some lovely whale noises, meditation music.
1: Like dory whale noises.
0: Dory, put on a bit of Disney, exactly. Um, I mean, it can be like spa music as well. It basically depends on whatever you want.
1: This kind of leads nicely onto the next question, Aisha, because you keep on mentioning that you have like a birthing plan. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I didn't know that this was a thing. I thought you just went into hospital. Done. Off you go. Baby in arms. But there's a whole plan. There's a whole rigmarole beforehand. Do you want to explain a little bit more about what you would like to see, which I imagine incorporates a lot of this hypnobirthing?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um I actually also didn't realise that the plan was so late. Like the plan is at 36 weeks. So I asked my midwife, like, what happens if I go into labor before then? Like preterm labour? And she was like, Your plan goes out the window because you're in preterm labor. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Good so yeah, you, you have to give birth the way they want you to give birth because baby's still quite small. But yeah, basically, so I haven't had this appointment yet. It happens at 36 weeks. And you basically go through with your midwife exactly how you want to give birth. So that when you do then go into the hospital, they know exactly what you want. And that includes where you want to give birth. So whether you want to have a home birth, hospital birth, water birth, which is what I'm opting for. What pain relief you want to use. So uh, whether you want an epidural, which is um, numbing the waist down through an injection, which means that you can't feel anything. but the problem with that is then you don't feel any urges to push, so you can tear because if you're being if you're if you're being told to push and your body's not ready to push, you can then tear down there and also because you get the injection in your spine, if you already have lower back problems, it can cause leak like like fluid leakage, so you just have to be a little bit careful with an epidural. There are risks and benefits to all of them to be honest there's a tens machine which is like This electric pulse that you can put through your body that helps with the pain, gas and air, which is what I'm opting for, which is basically loopy gas, um, and it kind of takes your mind off of the pain. So all of that, and they'll go through all of that with you. But obviously, I've done a little bit of research beforehand anyway, but they'll basically tell you what what an induction is, what all of these pain reliefs are. What's an induction? So induction is 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 forced labour. So it's when they force you to go into labour if there's an emergency.
1: So like inducing labor. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
0: inducing labor. Yeah. Fine.
1: And why, why would they force you to go into labor?
0: So if they can't hear baby's heartbeat or um, his movements have slowed down or there's, if there's basically an emergency.
1: And is that the same as like a, a C-section?
0: So a C, so when they induce labor, that means that you are still probably going to have a vaginal birth. A C-section is when you have surgery and they cut you open.
1: So I've always known women to have a C-section, obviously if they have like a heart problem or something and can't physically push, or in an emergency they have a C-section. Yeah. Did it used to be called something else back in the day? Has it always been called a C-section? So just a cesarean, yeah. Cesarean, that's it, cesarean birth. Okay, so then, again, I don't know if you're the right person to ask whether you know this, but then... What would be the difference of having a C-section emergency and an induced labour emergency? Well, you're not sure.
0: I think a C-section is if you you literally cannot give. So if the baby's breech, which means if the baby's upside down, they'll probably tell you to get a C-section because there's a lot more complications if you try and give birth vaginally. You can, but I think there's just a lot more complications.
1: Is that when it's feet first?
0: Feet and bum first, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is hard. I presume it's just harder to grab them. Right, it's just harder to get them out. Or yeah, what?
0: and also they're in a fetal position, so their bum comes out first,
1: which could cause which like which can cause
0: complications. Yeah,
1: yeah, I understand.
0: Some people just opt for C sections because they don't really want to give birth naturally, which is fair enough. Yeah, they just go in for the surgery. They know exactly when they're giving birth, and that's that done. One of my colleagues ever since they were ever since she was a young girl um her parents had always been told that she could never have an actual birth because of some reason or the other so she always knew she was going to have a c-section all her future babies will be c-sections so it really does depend on you if there is a longer recovery for c-section because you're literally having surgery of course. whereas vaginal birth your your body has been built for that so it yeah. knows what to do to recover
1: and on that note because, like you've already mentioned, there's a lot of build-up. No, none of the pregnancy is easy. You know, there's so many women that have different complications. Like you said, your body is going through so many different changes. But when you get towards having a baby, obviously there's a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear around giving birth, going into labour. Are there? I know I've heard of like prenatal and antenatal classes. Have you gone to any of these? What's your experience of them? And is there anything else that you're being recommended or pushed towards to to do before to kind of prepare yourself?
0: So I think I didn't, I didn't, I haven't gone to any antenatal classes per se. A lot of them became digital because of COVID, and a lot of them stopped, which is why I opted for a course because. It was cheaper for me personally, like a lot of the one-to-one groups, they are quite pricey. They go they go in right into the hundreds, of course, if you can afford that, absolutely go for it. But I really liked the sound. So the, the course that I bought is the Positive Birth Company. Again, I'll put the link below. I'd had heard really good things about them. They've got a really lovely Facebook community group where all of the women that they've taught post their positive birth stories, which you can read about. They've got a little community, they've got a little group, and they have a postnatal, so postnatal is afterbirth pack. They've got a pregnancy pack, so to help you through pregnancy, and they've got a birthing pack. So they've got three different packages, so I got the birthing package, which is where I've learned all of this stuff from. But as well as the pa- course, I also liked as well as, well as my midwife, I also like to have someone who I can speak to face-to-face. So I also do antenatal pilates. And it's with my Pilates teacher who I've known for quite a while. And she has done a lot of prenatal and antenatal and postnatal, actually, uh, classes. So she knows her stuff. After giving birth, it was actually the reason why she started Pilates because she she was having like a little bit of trouble. Um, and she also specializes in high mobility, which is what I have.
1: She knows your body very well because of your hypermobility issues, etc. I honestly, I'm so grateful, although she's not like a medical professional, but she knows her stuff and she can help you in other ways. Not just, you know, not just the birthing side of things. You need to also take care of your mental health, yes. or your physical state. So yes. I'm so glad that you have her.
0: Yeah. She was the one who told me that, um, so you know, the big gimbals that you can get, they're so comfortable to sit on, even when you're not pregnant she was one who told me to not bounce on one of those because apparently that that's what they that's what you do to encourage labor so we don't we don't want you going into preterm labor so if you're pregnant do not bounce on a gym ball just sit on it
1: <laughs> maybe when you're uh, 41 weeks that's yeah, when we can yeah 41 be weeks
0: plus you can bounce on a gym ball not before um, and she was also the one who told me to, that if you're like midway past second trimester you shouldn't be lying on your back like, flat on your back um, because the baby's weight is pushing on your spine and stopping circulation. Didn't know that. I guess it's quite self-explanatory, but you don't really think about it. It's good Um, to know. Yeah, so any, like, exercises that we were doing, I had to prop myself up with 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 a thing. And also, to be honest, like, when you're pregnant, stuff like Pilates, walking, like, gentle, easy exercise is so good for you. So definitely, definitely do recommend that. Obviously, not if you're in pain, you have to do it really gently because your muscles are really stretchy. Like a hormone called relaxin, I think it's called, is produced and it just makes your muscles really so don't be lifting any weights unless you're a like bodybuilder. That's fine. Don't be like doing fast movements because whenever I get up fast or I walk too fast, I get this searing pain across my belly. And it's so all my belly muscles that just stretching too fast. So just be really, really gentle with yourself.
1: That's why it was great when we went to Wantage on our little holiday and we were like doing a mini hike. For once, I had somebody that was on the same pee routine as me and the same walking pace as me. So Aisha pregnant and in her, some things are a little bit more difficult now, is me normally. So it was great (laughs) to have a partner in crime.
0: You're welcome, mate. Oh, I mean, apart from getting COVID and whatnot, that was a pretty good weekend.
1: Apart from that, it was bloody great. (laughs)
0: um but yeah it's that's probably one of the last times oh and another thing if you can go away before you have the baby definitely go away we haven't had a chance to because of covid um but that's why we did it huh But that's why we did it. Exactly. It's such a nice mental break to not having to think about being at home and being pregnant. Just going out and doing normal things. Like the day before I found out I was pregnant, I was supposed to go rock climbing. And then after I found out I was pregnant, I couldn't go. And it just really like impact. Like it really shook me mentally when there was just suddenly all these things that I love to do that I couldn't do. So just for your own mental health.
1: And also for anybody who has a best friend or has a, a close family member or friend going through this. I was so conscious on that trip because it was meant to be our relaxing, not thinking about the baby trip. I tried so hard when we met up as a threesome with our other friend, obviously she that's the first time that she'd met you since being pregnant. So we kind of saved all the baby chat for her. But then other than that, I tried so hard to not talk about the baby. You know, I was just avoiding the the subjects. We were kind of checking in on each other. I was checking in on Aisha to make sure she was fine physically walking up the hill she was checking on me because of my sugar levels as always and i just tried to avoid the subject just because she gets baby chat from everybody else so i just wanted to have 48 hours of we're, we're just two friends hanging out we don't need to worry about the obvious thing that's right in front of us so uh hope like despite what happened afterwards while we were there it was such a present moment i'm sure you agree aisha where we were just like looking at the scenery and we kind of forgot about everything that was going on and we could just enjoy that moment.
0: Yeah. It's so important to be able to do stuff like that. Just going out things like just booking things like the cinema. Like I just, I have it in my head that we're just not going to be able to, I keep saying like, I keep saying to Rahan and my friends like, Oh, this is the last time I'm going to be able to do this. And they're just like, are you, you going to die? Like is your life ending? Like, why is this the last time? And I'm like, I guess I could do it, just if you leave. The thing is, you already get mom guilt, don't you, for leaving your baby just to go off and do things that you want to do. So, while I don't have to suffer with mom guilt, while you guys don't have to suffer with mom guilt, just go out and just do as many things as you can. Little things that you'll probably think back and you know think back on and be like, "Wow, I took advantage." Uh, well, not sorry, not took advantage, took that for granted because. When you have a baby, there's just so many more things that you have to plan and prep for and think ahead for. So it is, it is, it's a big sh- mental and physical and psychological shift. It's a big change. And I read a quote the other day on uh, one of these, uh, one of my favorite Insta moms who said, "At the same time a mother, like a a baby is born, the mother is also born because before a child, you are you." After you are, the moment that baby comes out of you, you are a completely, there is a side of you that is born that is completely different that you, that wasn't there before. And for the first few months, you do have to be completely selfless, which, you know, can be hard. And that's where, you know, you do, you can get help for things like um, postnatal anxiety, postnatal depression, and not enough people talk about how common it is. And it's okay to feel like that. And that's something that my midwife reassured me of as well as... That happens, your mental health is just as important as your physical.
1: And that's postnatal and I presume prenatal as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Leading up to the birth, leading up to just having a little human who you are now solely responsible for is a terrifying thought. It's terrifying. And I really, really don't blame anyone for having anxious thoughts about that because it is it is it's a huge, it's a huge life change. It's massive.
1: I know we're coming up to the end of our episode, Aisha. But I just wondered if there's anything else that you wanted to share with our Wing It community before we end today's episode.
0: I would say number one, do as like if you are planning to get pregnant, have a baby anytime in the near future, do as much research and as you can because the more informed you are, the more relaxed you will feel. And number two. Get your partners involved. Men need to know what is going on. It is shocking how clueless some of them are. Some of them are very clued up. Um, They are clued up. Some of them really don't know anything. And it is really, really important that they do because another part of hypnobirthing is the role that the birth partners have. And even like dating back to prehistoric times, they call them the cave keepers. They are the guys who are standing, or it could even be your mum or your sister or whoever is your birth partner. But they are the people who are standing guard at the cave to make sure there are no predators or hunters coming, coming anywhere near the, the mother and the baby. So they are the ones protecting the environment. So they're the ones who need to help. They're the ones who need to set up your environment. If you're having a home birth, set up your lights, bring your chocolate. They need to know what's going on in the body so they know what kind of massages to give and things like that. Don't feel like you have to go on it on your own. Rahana's learning a lot and forcing him to learn a lot. (laughs) So get them involved.
1: Are there any? resources or anything that he's particularly reading up on or watching I know he's a big fan of like YouTube and things Mm. like that yeah what are his um educational sources
0: I think um so I don't think there's so I I'm gonna I've I've written down all the videos from my course that I want him to watch but because of the random birth videos that are coming up on his page I think watching real life births are a huge huge help because it kind of shows you how fake the Hollywood ones are and we watch those and we've got those so ingrained in our subconscious that's what we think it's going to be like and I think a lot of the birth partners are really really surprised as well at how calming it can be like it's supposed to be like you know it's supposed to be a good experience isn't it it's supposed to feel good so yeah watching real life birthing videos and reading real life birth stories the positive ones just to kind of get that ingrained in your head and replace the negative images can really help but I'll put all of my resources and links at the bottom anyway.
1: Yeah. Once again, Aisha, I just wanted to thank you for obviously sharing everything. I feel we're all in the same boat and you are also still learning day by day. And honestly, I cannot wait. As you know, I cannot wait to be Aunt Yvonne. (laughs) Also, I cannot wait for you to come back after the birth and share with the Wing It community how it went, how you're feeling, how the baby's doing. And I'm sure, you know, so many people are asking me, particularly in our break, you know, whether me and you mm. are okay, you know, when's the next pod coming out? And they're gonna wanna hear your story once your little baby boy is in the world as well. So um, no, really wanted to thank you for sharing and yeah, just giving a different insight. Like you said, maybe hypnobirthing mm. is an option people can consider. Yep. And as always do your research. And be informed, like Aisha said, about your decisions that you're going to be making. And I guess, guys, that is a wrap for today's episode. If you had any questions for Aisha, you know exactly where to find her. And I will make sure any that come my way get forwarded to her as well. Next episode, guys, is actually going to be the last one of 2021. Mm -hmm. So if there was anything you desperately wanted to say or share, like I said, any questions, for me or Aisha, about any events that are going on in our life, baby or non-baby related, please let us know. And we look forward to seeing out 2021 with you all very, very soon.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Mons, thank you so much for interviewing me. It was quite therapeutic to talk about that, to be honest. Good. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. And yeah, just like Yvonne said, shout with any questions. And I hope, I hope it was helpful. Even if you're not planning to have children anytime soon, I hope it's something to think about anyway.
1: Take care, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.